you remember the good old days when all you had to worry about was getting your homework done and getting home before curfew? Before you had to worry about jobs, projects, working, when you could long for a summer vacation and a winter break? Well, this is the podcast for when you realize that life can be hard. Hold on one moment. <sighs> Finally, he's gone. The last thing I need to hear is him plugging another podcast. Come take a listen to my show, Adulting Ain't Easy, every other Wednesday on the Journey into Comics Network. The following, the following is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me here on this episode of Poor360. As always, I am your host, Andrew Poor, and I thank you for uh, joining me here today. Now, for those of you new to the show, this show covers topics that I find important, topics that are pertinent to the, the news day that we're experiencing, and just other general information there. Now, this is episode, I believe... 43 or 44? I could be really mistaken. Let me just confirm through the old Google machine, as Nate would call it. This is episode 43. Alright. Getting ever close to the 50, which is a good milestone. I've been podcasting for a while now, but anytime a show gets to 50 episodes, that's uh, something to celebrate. So, yes, that'll do it. But, there were two things I kind of found interesting that I thought I wanted to kind of break more into... Um, two very different things, in a sense, and because before I was planning to do today's episode, I was kind of thinking about that I was going to do a podcast in defense of the president. Not necessarily condoning what he did, but trying to see the positive in his actions, in what his administration has done. But that one's going to need a little more time and uh, energy, um, especially given like things that are happening more immediately, but... I think maybe in the episodes to come, maybe 44 or 45, I will try and do uh, a positive look on Donald Trump's presidency. So definitely stay tuned for that. And if you have disagreements, those are those are valid, and you can feel free to address them in the comments or through my socials, and I'll definitely hear you out. I'm definitely not his biggest fan, but I'm going to try and find something um, positive to say, as well as just... Uh, See what other people see in him. So, that is what will be forthcoming. But two things I saw that were kind of newsworthy that I saw, I guess first on social media, before I really kind of dug into it. So, what someone found, um, I shared on Twitter, is that two movies that came out uh, this summer, uh, Rocket Man and Booksmart, both featured um, uh, homosexual sex scenes. Like, not, like, movie level. Like, it wasn't, like, X-rated. It was just movie level sex scenes. Like, making out things out of frame. That whole thing. And Delta, on some in-flight screenings of those, had those scenes cut out of the movie. They still left all of the, the general curse words and stuff. And, like, you have to, when you select the movie, you have to select that you are over a certain age. And usually that means that you should be able to see the movie in all its glory. What, however the director wanted it said. But it, Delta on on their flights, on their in-flight entertainment system, had those cut out. And it actually got to the point that the 
director of Booksmart, uh, Olivia Wilde, actually took a Delta flight, watched the movie during the flight to basically say what was cut out, what was sort of like, they cut out weird words, um, like lesbian and vagina. It was just really weird. It seemed like it was very, just because it was non-straight sex that it was a problem. So that, I found that kind of interesting. And luckily, um, for fans of art and cinema, Delta has restored, um, to put back all the cuts they took out and the kind of, uh, release name. So I have uh, an article from NBC, uh, or CNBC that talks about it. So Delta says, we'll restore same-sex love scenes in Booksmart and Rocketman after criticism. Delta said it received new versions of Booksmart Rocketman without same-sex love scenes edited out. The airline receives content from a third-party supplier. Delta said it's examining its policy for choosing versions of onboard entertainment. Uh, Delta Airlines is restoring same-sex love scenes to films after outrage on social media, including from Olivia Wilde, the director of the 2019 comedy Booksmart, one of the movies. Um, Delta and other airlines source films from third-party companies that edit and distribute various versions of the film for in-flight viewing. The Atlanta-based airline said studios provide the theatrical version and edited version of many films, and that it selected edited versions of both Booksmart and Elton John biopic Rocketman. Uh, Olivia Wilde tweeted, This is truly a bummer. There is no nudity in this scene. What makes it too obscene for airplane viewing? What airline? So, and that was in regards to uh, someone tweeting kind of her, tried watching books around the plane and they cut the entire lesbian hookup scene. Like, not even a kiss was allowed. Oh, but don't worry. The straight guys got their kiss. So we're merely putting a new process in place for managing content, although through Delta's in-flight entertainment, the airline said it was in a statement. We've selected the edited version and now realized... Content well within our guidelines was that necessarily excluded from both films. We are working to make sure this doesn't happen again. Delta touts its seat back screens are a selling point for travelers. The airline continues to use the screens while some competitors like American United have opted to eschew seat back screens on narrow body planes and other films and television shows for viewers on passengers' personal devices through the carrier's apps. Airlines receive films from third-party content providers that work with studios on various versions. Spafax, a unit of British advertising giant WPP, works with Delta. Its resources have set airlines' film guidelines very greatly, with airlines such as state-owned Saudi, Ara- or Saudi Airlines among the strictest. Delta said it plans to receive a new edit of the film that retains the LGBTQ plus love scene in both Booksmart and Rocketman that will be on our flights as soon as possible. It's not the first time Delta has been under fire for edits to some to same-sex love scenes in its onboard movies. In 2016, customi- customers criticized the airline for showing an edited version of the 2016 movie Carol. And that's all it says about that. And, uh, Carol uh, involves uh, uh, two lesbian women and like their relationship, I'm guessing. I've never seen the movie, but I'm guessing that's something they removed as well. I thought this was interesting. Um, I understand that if there's a heavy R-rated film, maybe they can't show that just because if someone's... If it's a, obviously if it's playing in your seat back and someone happens to walk by, you don't want them to see something more adult, like uh, say in Deadpool with uh, the characters like Baby Penis or something like that. It's just something you don't want someone walking by to see, uh, which I which I can understand. The same reason you couldn't watch say like Big Mouth, which is a Netflix show about like middle schoolers, and it's for being a middle school characters, it's definitely a little provocative in terms of what they show and all that. So. But it's a cartoon, so maybe it flies under the radar. Same reason, like, Family Guy and all that stuff is. But with that said, that does give a sense of 
wondering why. And I understand, like, if uh, this third party just knew they had to edit out scenes, maybe their own personal views, but then they're like, let's just remove these from it. But you can't deny that Booksmart and Rocketman both, the crux of those, not the crux of it, Booksmart more so than Rocketman. Rocketman, he was almost actual man who was coming to terms with his sexuality. Booksmart involves a girl um, discovering hers for herself, and the lesbian relationship is something that kind of propels the plot forward, and taking that out does leave a plot hole, which is not ideal. Especially when you've... So if someone watches that movie for the first time, they get a whole different movie than what was meant to be seen. And I've seen both these movies. I both thought them found them very... Um, I thought very well received. I thought uh, the stories were great. I think Olivia Wilde is a great director... Um, Rocket Man is a uh, story of Elton John. Even though I'm not the biggest Elton John fan, I know all of his. I know a lot of his music just because, just like Bohemian Rhapsody last year, a lot of the music are big hits, ones that people grew up with, even if they weren't a, around at the time that he was in his heyday. But like, there are hits that you'll always hear on the like, radio or at con or not concerts, like at, like sporting events or like it's just it's always crowd pleasing music and. Yeah, you want to definitely see the films the way those are meant to be seen. So I'm glad that Delta restored that. I know I've seen a lot lately is that companies, like major companies, will make quick decisions after public outcry through social media. We've seen it um, with... Um, I'm trying to think of some examples. I know we've seen a bunch lately... I think Papa John's wants a public outcry. We've seen like the whole Me Too movement, largely spurred on by social media. So it's it's um it's definitely something to keep be mindful of. Is that there is a lot of power that social media wells. We even saw as recently, even though it's not um anything negative, that how as um we knew from uh, during the comics when Nate did that petition at the same time this whole public outcry was happening. Um with the uh, Marvel-Sony-Spider-Man deal and how that played out over social media and everything ended up working out in the end that Disney and Sony both have certain control over the character. They're supposed to do it the way we want, and we, the customers, are better off for it. Which I think is a, is a positive case. But we've seen the... Uh, but at the same time, we've seen uh, the negatives too. So it's definitely something to keep in mind as... Um, we move forward in this world. And keeping in the mind with uh, entertainment, I noticed something... Um, I noticed something earlier um, today through social media involving an upcoming Netflix special for comedian and late-night talk show host Seth Meyers saying that his Netflix special will have a skip politics button, which I thought was very unusual. Um, so I'm going to read this, uh, this Slate article about it and then... I'll just kind of get into the, discuss it more. So this is an article from uh, Matthew Fellon. Uh, so Donald Trump, you probably have heard a lot lately about this man. He has the, been the President of the United States for almost three years, during which approval ratings have been quite low, while his every utterance and antic has been well covered by the media. If you're ability to enjoy the late-night talk shows, particularly Seth Meyers' late night on NBC, has been inhibited by the season onset of Trump-related topical humor... You might be pleased to hear that Meyer's upcoming Netflix special, Lobby Baby, will feature a skip politics button along, allowing viewers to opt out of his political jokes. Myers told CNN Business that the button, a riff on Netflix's skip intro button, was his idea. It dawned on me that because it was on Netflix, there would be this opportunity to put in technology that would allow people to skip it. It was a way to build in the response to anyone who would say, oh, let me guess, there's going to be jokes about the president. 
It's a bit, in other words, another joke in the special. As you told CNN, it was basically a user interface dependent version of the old Carson maneuver, whereby late night hosts attempt to get a goose a laugh out of a mediocre, unpopular material by winkingly acknowledging to the audience that the joke was lame. Probably the best innovation that Myers has actually brought to his show, a sort of unavoidable crutch, need to turn out a nightly talk show, is one of my writers explains a joke, in which his late night writers are tried out to defend horrible broccoli puns, dating musician references, etc. Lobby Baby debuts on uh, Netflix November 5th, which is the day this episode comes out. So if you're listening, you can go on Netflix and watch his show. Um, this will debut November 5th, along with stand-up Seth, an action figure that, despite being advertised in the special's trailer, is widely believed to be a prop device with the intent to amuse. So, basically, once you watch the special, they'll give you an option to skip politics. We'll just jump from whatever. He probably has, like, maybe five to ten minutes on... Political humor, which is something as a late night talk show host he probably does on a daily basis during his opening monologue and throughout the show. So it's probably like, oh, so I'm going to skip forward like you would like commercial break and just be like, and now jump to the non-political humor. I'm hoping there's not like eight bits scattered throughout the show and it's like everything is going to jump, which I think would be kind of annoying. And I understand he says he did it this way, but I think it sets a bad precedent. You're giving Netflix, a, a multimedia company... The ability to skip anything what even I remember kind of tangenting off here that they wanted the option to speed up playback of episodes, which means that like oh say you're binge watching Friends, say you're into Friends, you could watch all the episodes at like one and a quarter speed or one and a half speed. I don't know what that will do for you, but I guess if like you're listening because I've I listen to audiobooks at like one and a quarter, one and a half speed. It doesn't really affect it because all it does really when you listen to that speed is it drops out kind of more of the pauses between words. So as long as you're really paying attention, you don't miss out on anything. But if you tune out, you can end up missing a large chunk of time. I know some people can listen to things like double speed, but I think Netflix doing that is, like, they're just seeing how they can make themselves more competitive in this growing um, streaming service landscape where we have... Apple TV um, out now. We have Disney Plus out in, I think, a week? I think a week from tomorrow? I think this is the 12th. I'm going to be traveling for work then, so that's not going to be helpful for me. And I don't know when I'm actually going to get Disney Plus. I feel like I need to get caught up on my other streaming stuff before I jump in there. And if I miss a month of Disney Plus, it's not the end of the world. If, uh, if Tyler comes bearing down my door that I haven't watched Mandalorian yet, maybe I'll have to be convinced otherwise. But until then, I think I'm just going to just wait a lot, maybe get it right after the holidays. But, so, get back into uh, Seth Meyers on this. I, it's a bit, he might actually play it into the show about, who's seen, like, comedians when they have Netflix specials? If you watch any Netflix stand-up like I do, they kind of talk about the fact that there's a Netflix special, that they're doing it here, because Netflix unlike other streaming services, is really into their um, their stand-up, which I enjoy greatly. It's something I... Before I did, like, YouTube and, like, streaming services, I had, would have... I had my Pandora um, that I had just liked a bunch of different comedians. And, you know, Pandora just kind of skips music, but if you only have comedians and, like, comedy albums selected, you're going to get little... You're going to... Every time it goes to a new song, it's a new bit. So you're going to eventually listen to, like, if I'm at work, I could be listening to, like, eight hours of various comedians doing stand-up, which 
It's sometimes more amusing than sometimes listening to music, which can be distracting. It's just, I like having talking in the background, which I think, unlike most of you, some people leave the TV on to sleep. It's that kind of thing. I can, not like binging a show or like having a YouTube video playing. You're just like listening to a joke and still getting your work done. It's not as distracting. So that's one thing I have liked um, about uh, the stand-up. So, but I think if you look at this in another way, it's allowing people to ignore politics and ignoring the current events of the world and being like, I just want humor. I don't want to be, I don't acknowledge what's going on outside there. And I'm going to say some days that I don't think about the president, what's going on in the U.S., what's going on in the world as a whole. Sometimes I feel like it's a little more carefree. I don't feel like I'm as, it's not as stressful. Like, I don't need to know the fact that Trump made another tweet about uh, Confifi uh, yesterday or today or tomorrow as you're listening to this, or how he revealed the identity of a dog that was involved in the, the ISIS raid, or that, um, or that he goes on Twitter rants, or the fact that he has to release his tax returns and he's going to throw a big thing, or that it seems like every hour he tweets witch hunt, or like, Days that I don't think about that or have to know that, that I don't, I can scroll through my newsfeed without hearing that or seeing people share memes that Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Like, th- there's things that, like, I know, I get it, I understand, but I don't, some days you just don't want to be inundated with all this information. It's just negativity that just kind of bogs you down. And I'm not like I'm trying to put my head in the sand. It's just that some days you just want to focus on other things that are more important to you in this specific moment in time. Not so that we have to be acknowledge current events but i remember years ago under different presidents and different administrations i went weeks really without knowing what the president was doing who he was meeting with because i didn't have to hear about it because it was just business as usual like a swiss watch it just kept running nothing nothing was in danger of coming apart at the seams no one was going to be fired or shot out of a cannon i don't know it just seems kind of that this is giving people who don't want to actually avoid it. It's like putting a Donald Trump filter on your phone. Sure, it might help you then and now, but it's not... You can't just hide from it forever. Like you can mute friends and family that spew nothing but hate, but that they're still, it's still out there. Sometimes you have to confront it and just be acknowledged. But I can understand, as a comedian, you want to find the commentary. Like, we've seen that sometimes politics and comedy don't gel with it. We saw that since Trump president, he has avoided the White House Correspondents' Dinner, which is an annual event where the news media and the, the administration get together and kind of laugh and joke and make fun and move on and get back for the next year. But Trump has, obviously, as you would know, has had a, a strife relationship with the media he calls them all the enemy of the people and this, that, and the other. Not a big fan. So he's, he's actively avoided it. And typically the the speaker or the... I forget what they call it. It's not like a keynote speaker, I guess, would probably be the closest thing we would think. Is it coming? And it's usually a comedian. Um, usually not an established comedian. It's usually like a late-night talk show host. Uh, it's, it's a hard job, though, because... If you bomb, you're bombing in front of a lot of people. 
and especially a lot of people in power. Um, if you do great, it can mean good things. But we've seen, like, the last one, They since the last comedian, um, I forget her name, um, attacked the, the press secretary, um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and then she had, like, a show on Netflix that lasted, like, a couple episodes, and then it ended. I wasn't a huge fan of her voice. It just, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I think it's just her, I think it was her accent, not really her accent, but, like, yeah, I guess you call it an accent. It's not, it wasn't, like, her, like, a foreign accent. It was just, like, a, like, a New York, like, kind of, like, a higher New York accent, which just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, I don't remember what her name was, or... But she had some some pretty some pretty rough jokes, and it didn't really go over well. So this past year, which I heard nothing about when it happened, had Ron Chernow, who author, great author. He's a this probably his most famous work now is that he wrote the biography of Alexander Hamilton that Lin Manuel Miranda read, and then came up with the the hit Broadway musical. So that's his big claim to fame now. I mean, he's been an established um, biographer and historical writer for a long time. I have... I think he did Ulysses S. Grant. I think he's done another one since then. Um, I have the audiobook of Hamilton, which is like 40 hours, which I have not jumped into yet because it's a lot. Um, but I like I like political biographies and I like history books, so it's sometimes it's good, and he's a good guy. But they had him on as the keynote speaker this last year. And he did a couple of humor, but he's not a comedian. He's not that's not his cup of tea. But I think they did that as a course correction for having a uh, a rough comedian the year before. But we've seen Seth Meyers has hosted in the past. Hassan Minaj, who uh, hosts Patriot Act, which is a show I like, which I don't know when the new se- season's coming back, but this show's good. It's a it's a kind of like a late night show or like a uh, talk show, but he doesn't have guests. It's more it's kind of like. The Daily Show meets like Tosh.0, where like it's kind of like he's in front of a green screen. He put or not like he's in front of screens that kind of show what he's talking about, and he does graphics and talks about the news and current events kind of stuff. But kind of that whole thing. So, but he's hosted in the past. And you'd be like, I think Stephen Colbert's done it. But in the past with other presidents, like Obama would sit there, Bush, Clinton, they've all taken it. It's kind of like a little bit like a roast. They'll roast the president a little bit. They'll roast the media. Everyone laughs, drinks, has a good time, and then back to the same old business the next year. And even, typically, like, the president would come with his speechwriters. You'd probably bring in a comedy writer or two. They'll come up with some good jokes, and he'll poke fun at himself, poke fun at the media as well. Everyone has a good time. It's not meant... Nothing's meant negatively. But Trump's not one that would joke about himself or joke about the administration. All he'd want to do would be make it, like, a rally. And that's... So he just chooses to avoid it altogether and tries to denounce that event. So we'll see if uh, the next president, whether it's in 2020 or 2024, well, better be by 2024 at the latest, um, will resume the tradition to attend that. I'm hoping if it... Typically, if Trump doesn't win the election in 20... Or if he does win the election in 2020, then 2024 will for sure be a Democrat-elected president. That's typically how the cycle goes... The president, after two terms, usually the party switches. That's typically what happens. It's just an ebb and flow of the government. That's just how it goes. It's not very often that it'll go right from one administration to the next. 
I think Reagan Bush was the only one in that one. He only got one turn because people got... It was, it was just a, a whole thing. I think that was Reagan Bush. I might be mistaken. Was it Reagan? I'm going to look this up now. I think it was Reagan Bush. Let's see. Reagan was succeeded by... Yeah, George H.W. Bush. Because he went after Carter. Yeah, that's how it was. Okay. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy. So that's what we've seen is that... Um, is that sometimes the people in power, the people in, involved in the political administration, all of that, they have to be able to poke fun of themselves. They take everything so seriously or that anything's a direct attack on them. It's, it's a roast at the end of the day. You just gotta laugh, have fun, drink a little, and just move on. And I think, like I said, we need to kind of not embrace a way to mute or skip politics in life. You gotta embrace it. You try and take a break. Like, put down your phone. I think just because we're always attached to our phones nowadays that we're easily flooded with social media because we have it on our phones. We get notifications. We look up. We, like, I'd probably check Facebook and Twitter probably a dozen or more times a day. That's just what happens. I get a Facebook Messenger notification from the network group, and I'll check that. Oh, then I'll go to, I get a notification, I'll check Facebook, and so I'm on the toilet like every adult in the world is, and I'll scroll through my news feed or scroll through Twitter, and that's just how you spend your day. That's, I think, how everyone does it. I don't think people are sitting there on the toilet not on their phones. If you're not, what are you doing? Organizing your wallet, reading the newspaper. The newspapers, no one reads the newspaper anymore. You're on your phone. That Don't deny it. And the only time you're doing it is if you're half asleep and you're at home and you roll to the bed to go to the bathroom. That's the only time you're not probably on your phone. Even then, you probably still are. Um, and I was thinking, when, as I was thinking about the whole Seth Meyers brain, kind of getting back to why I got on this topic, is that I noticed uh, another comedian kind of did a similar thing. I didn't know about it going into the special. Also on Netflix, it's uh, Jeff Dunham. He's the comedian who uses the puppets. The, or not the puppets, the ventriloquist dummies. Um, I remember, I think I may have shared this before, that many uh, years ago, um, before anyone really knew who he was, I was on a cruise ship, I was like a sophomore in high school, freshman in high school, I was still relatively young, and he was one of the acts they brought onto the cruise ship, so I'm guessing he was still a relatively new comedian, probably flew in, got on the boat, did a cu couple sets, and moved on. I think he, I don't remember what, I think he had a couple of his... Uh, I think I saw, like, his more kid-friendly show, because I was, like, 14. And I think he had an adult show, which I've seen as adult stuff. It's all really funny. But even he's kind of steered away from the political humor. Um, so we had this, the new special called Jeff Dunham Beside Himself, where he has a, a lot of his... He does some, like, general kind of stand-up about himself, and he brings out the puppets. Um, but he had a new puppet that he brought out, and he did this... Um, the show in Texas, in Dallas, which Dallas, Texas, Texas in general is typically more conservative than most areas. So he had, he had a new uh, a puppet that um, was kind of timely. It was uh, more than current. So, in like a lot of other uh, recent shows, he had a uh, just there's he had one that he wanted to kind of broach the political sphere without picking a sandwich there. So. 
He has a new puppet named Larry that kind of commented on Trump. So it's, uh, he kind of said before, he says, I don't want to create division. I don't want to pick sides, but you can't ignore the elephant in the room. He said before introducing Larry, he said, what could be the worst possible job to have in the White House right now under Donald Trump? So Larry is the personal advisor of Donald Trump. This is the puppet. Looks like a guy in a business suit with crazy hair, like bloodshot eyes, chain-smoking cigarettes. So he's very nervous. He's jittery. He's a chain-smoker. Gets fired and rehired every week. Donald used Larry to comment on Trump's presidency in a moderate way, hoping to avoid stepping on either side of the aisle. Because he even joked about it in the show. I remember watching this um, when I was visiting my parents a few weeks back. My uh, my parent, my family and I watched it. And um, there's jokes about like how... You could say one thing, and half the credits would be like this, and then the other half would be like this. So he's, yeah, you're in Dallas, Texas. It's, it's, it's definitely a uh, a minefield out there. So, so he's able to criticize the truth of Trump's unpredictable actions with Larry Dunham effectively wisecracks the absurdity of Trump's tweeting habits, Trump's marriage, and the chances changes in administration. Claim that Trump has firing Fridays akin to Taco Tuesdays. So, but he also has like. An old guy, uh, a, a Mexican jalapeno on a stick, he has a trailer trash, a dead terrorist. He has a lot going on, but yet doesn't want to get too close into political humor. So I, I think, I thought, I thought that was kind of interesting that um, he walked a fine line to be timely. Because people are thinking about it going into a comedy show without actually picking a side, which I can understand. You want, as a comedian, as an entertainment person, you want to have the most crowd appeal possible. You don't want to end up being like the James Woods or the Alyssa Milano of the entertainment world, where you're hated by fifty to fifty-five percent of the of the people who may have used to like you because you're so deep one way or the other, which I completely get. Like, no one wants to be like Susan Sarandon. It's just you want to... You want to cast the widest net because... Especially as a comedian who's typically you're not, like... You're not tied to big movies. Like, you're... You kind of have one of the hoof in it entertainment jobs. Like, you're... You're doing gigs. You're driving, flying from one to the next, hoping to get that next special or get that... Because I don't think even the albums aren't really a thing. Because I don't think people are buying comedy albums anymore. And then the new thing is, did you want to get a special on a streaming service or sell out a bigger venue? I was in those like Kevin Hart selling out like Madison Square Garden, or you'll see like Jim Gaffigan opened up for the Pope. Like you want like a big gig that sets you apart from others. And obviously those guys have um, other credentials and they got to that point. Like you're not seeing like smaller level comedians. And one thing that's I like about the streaming service, they do kind of showcase um, smaller sets of comedians like the same reason like Comedy Central do the the, uh, Comedy Central Presents where they do like little like 10-15 minute like bits on comedians and you can look back and see like John Mulaney had some Jim Gaffigan had some you'll see like Kevin like all these like big guys now had little starting out when they were young and raw and just so I think that's where the benefit comes from but I think kind of going full circle you kind of have to make sure that even entertainment you've got to make sure that you don't actively run into politics or actively avoid it you kind of have to find what works best for you and your audience and realize that picking no sides and is a side in itself so it's, it's a delicate act i can't imagine trying to be in entertainment 
like you can see like even like if a musician comes out they can it can hurt their their gigs their future work because some of their fans if they disagree with you politically might not support you financially anymore which like if you're expecting to sell at a show and then half your crowd because of something you said about a political person or about another person comes out it's like the whole i don't, I don't want to i'm sorry i'm, I'm not going to equate uh political leanings to like the me too movement that's basically what it is is just i think you can't just you can't hide from politics in this world i think sometimes you need to take a break because it helps you get a fresher head you kind of do that but you can't avoid it altogether like you can't hide under a rock you got to make sure your voice is heard you got to go out and vote you got to do everything you can to change the world to the way you think it needs to be changed to and someone else who has maybe the opposite opinion just feels the exact same way but that's how we end up with a system of checks and balances. That's how we end up with elections that flip one way back and forth. Because if one ideology is in power long enough, it shifts things in a crazy direction. But I think I'm kind of tangenting off. It's getting a little late here. It's uh, been a hell of a week. Um, I'm not sure when I'm getting the next episode to you. It might come out early because I will be traveling. Um on uh, next week as the episode comes out but I'll try and get something ahead of you or if not I might have a fill-in guest I'm not exactly sure at this point but we'll uh we'll figure it out and we'll kind of go from there but I think that'll do it for this week's poor 360 comedy and politics that might be the title but that'll do it for 360 for this week I am Andrew Poor you have a great week You've been listening to Poor360. You can find us on the socials at Poor360 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us and all the other podcasts on our network at journeyintocomics.com or early access at patreon.com slash journeyintocomics. You can find us on all podcasting platforms like CastBox, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and many others.